श्रीमद सदगुरु सरकार की श्रीमद युगल सरकार की दिवाकरी प्रपन्ना गुरु पादविंदयो तस्य सजल जलदश्यामल तनु सरोजाक्ष मुकुटकटकाद्याभरणवान्ाथ प्रतिमदन 
श्री मुरलिका वहन धेयो गोपी गण परिवृता कुमकुमचिता यो ब्रह्मानं विदधाति पूर्वं यो वै वेदांश्च प्रहिनोति तस्मै तग्वं हदेवमात्म बुद्धि प्रकाशम मुमुक्षुर्वै शरणमहम Prapadye. We'll chant for a few minutes. Bhaju giri dhar Govind Gopala Oh, oh, oh. 
गिरीधार गोविंद गोपाला जो सदगुरु सरकार की श्रीमद युगल सरकार की जय डियर डिबोरीज ऑफ श्री महाराज जी रिस्पेक्टेड व्यूअर्स राधे राधे हे करुणा सागर हम भुक्ति मुक्ति आदि कुछ नहीं मांगते हमें तो केवल तुम्हारे निष्काम प्रेम की ही एकमात्र चाह है ओ ओशन ऑफ लव I have no worldly ambition nor do I wish for liberation. I only wish to attain your desireless divine love. Nita seva mangu shama sham तेरी न भुक्ति नाही मुक्ति मांगू मैं नित सेवा मांगू श्यामा श्याम तेरी न भुक्ति नाही मुक्ति मांगू मैं बाढ़े भक्ति निष्कामित मेरी न भुक्ति नाही मुक्ति मांगू मैं ओ श्यामा श्याम I desire for your divine servitude. I do not desire for bhukti or mukti. the ultimate goal of our the ultimate ultimate goal 
our the goal of our devotional life as sadhaks as devotees is to purify our heart reach that state of complete surrender to our guru as shri krishna has described ma mekam sharanam vraj complete surrender at the lotus feet of our guru and upon total heart purification then our guru will bestow swarup shakti in our heart impart that divine power upon us and then we will receive the divine darshan of shri radha krishna and when god appears before a soul then he asks var mangu ask for your boon so the highest attainable goal of an aspiring devotee is seva servitude shri gauranga mahaprabhu ji in the ashtapadi has revealed nadhanam najanam nasundarim kavitam va jagadish kamaye mam janmani janmanishwari bhavatad bhakti rahaitu ki tvai ashtapadi shikshashtak one of the eight essential teachings of gaurang mahaprabhu o jagadish meaning o creator and protector of this world i desire your selfless divine love i do not desire worldly luxuries or wealth i do not desire children i do not desire disciples students no i do not want or wish for a big name fame or even a big following no i do not desire worldly lust no i do not wish to become famous as an artist or a poet or even a writer but what i do desire is that in every life in every life i wish to receive your ahaituki bhakti your selfless divine love as shri maharaj ji has repeatedly bestowed his divine teachings upon us shri maharaj ji tells us that there are three eternally existing entities gyagyo dvavaja vishanisha vaja श्वेताश्वतरोपनिषदर आर थ्री 
eternally existing entities, Brahma, God, Jeev, the souls, and Maya. Three. <clears throat> so the individual soul, all of us, we inherently and innately aspire for happiness, bliss, pleasure. And that too of the nature of that happiness that we desire is unlimited and infinite. As Shukadev Ji told Parikshit in the Bhagavatam, Sukhaya karmani karoti loko nataihi Sukham vanya duparamamva Vindeta bhuyastata eva dukham Yadatra yuktam bhagavan vadenaha That every individual soul desires for the attainment of happiness. Sarvesham abhibhuta nam ripasvat maivaballabha Itare patya vitta dyas tadvallabhatayaivahi bhagavatam So the one single motive behind all of our actions, every action we perform is motivated by one desire only, and that is to experience everlasting happiness. So our goal is to attain happiness. And yet, some philosophers say that happiness is not our only goal. We also desire eternal life, immortality. We don't like the thought of death, no. We don't want to die. We want to be immortal, which we are as a soul. So immortality is an aim. And yet some philosophers come along and say that knowledge is also an aim. We're always accumulating knowledge from all different sources around us, people, through the media, in different ways. We're always accumulating knowledge. And some philosophers say that power is also one of our aims as individuals. We love, we thrive on power. We love to govern over other people. It gives us a thrill, power. And yet, some other philosophers say that we also love freedom. We don't wish to be under anyone's control. But Sri Maharaji tells us that these four aims of immortality, knowledge, power, and freedom are included within the aim of happiness. We desire to be immortal. Why? Because we want to be happy. We desire knowledge. Why? Because we wish to be happy. We desire power for happiness. And we desire freedom for the same reason, happiness. So happiness 
is the ultimate goal of every soul. And so we are the soul, and asides us, there are two entities, God and Maya. So in any given lifetime, depending on the knowledge or the understanding that an individual has, they will either be inclined toward God, toward divinity, or they will be inclined either toward God or the world. <clears throat> Once a religious-minded and charitable king, he, he arranged a show, a big show, where a lot of different things of his kingdom, a lot of riches and a lot of things were exhibited for free distribution. <clears throat> and anyone was welcome to take whatever they liked from that show. So people from all over the city, they gathered there in his kingdom. And uh, some people took clothes and some people took other riches and different things, ornaments, etc., and everyone that was there was highly satisfied except for this one wise old lady. She was dissatisfied. She wasn't satisfied. She did not take anything from the storehouse. <clears throat> so the minister, he went to the king and he said that everyone was highly satisfied except for this one old lady. She said that she didn't want anything and that she wanted to speak with the king. So the king went on the back of the elephant to see the old lady. And the old lady said, King, come down. I want to speak to you about something very important. So when the king got down from the elephant, she immediately caught the right hand of the king and she said king you are now mine you are mine i don't want any of those objects or those toys from your storehouse i want to possess only you so the whole wealth of your kingdom of the state is it belongs to me why? Because now you are mine. Because you are mine. You have become mine. <clears throat> so the point here is that ignorant people who don't have proper or don't have knowledge of the scriptures, what do they do? They entertain worldly desires and run after objects of the senses where there is no satisfaction, no contentment whatsoever. They become a beggar of beggars by becoming a slave to their desires. 
And those who have received understanding and knowledge, they renounce those mundane desires and strive to only possess God. Because once they succeed, then all of that spiritual wealth in the form of divine love, it becomes theirs. Yes. So, depending on one's understanding, a person will either gravitate or be inclined toward God or the world. So, in these lines, I have no worldly ambition. The word is bhukti. Bhukti means the pleasures of the objects of our five senses, of sight, smell, sound, taste, and touch. The pleasurable union of our physical senses of perception with their desired objects is known as bhukti. So there are five kinds of desires limited to our five physical senses. So the desire to see our eyes, our nose, our ears, our palate, and our skin. So the subject of the eyes is form. The subject of the ears is sound. The subject of the nose is smell. The subject of the skin is touch. And the subject of the palate is taste. So we have been wandering within the field of the, these, the subjects of our five physical senses since eternity. And the subject of each physical sense of perception is unlimited, as Sri Maharaji tells us. For example, sight. Seeing, yes. Have if someone is asked, have you seen America? No. How about England? No. Canada? No. Another person says, well, I have seen everything. I went to New York, yes, and I saw everything. Really, you saw everything. However big the United States is, if you have seen every house on every street and every object of every house in the entire country, of course, can one claim that they have seen everything? And even if they do, although it's impossible, but even if they do, even so, there's so much else to see. It is so vast, the options and the varieties and the different. There are so many variations just for our eyes alone. There was once a king who had this crazy idea of going to the celestial abode in his physical body. So he offered worship to his sorry, service to his guru, Vishwamitra, 
and pleased with his service, Vishwamitra invited him to ask for a boon. So the boon he asked for was, I want to go to Swarglok in this body. So Vishwamitra said that that's not possible. You can go after death, of course, but not in this physical material body. You need a celestial body to be able to enter. So he insisted that he wanted to see Swarg in this physical material body. So Vishwamitra said, all right, well, the powers, the Siddhis that I have acquired through austerities, I will utilize those to send you. So when Sage Vashisht, when he heard that Vishwamitra was going to do such a thing, he thought that that was a bad decision because that would set a bad precedent. And so Vishwamitra, he used his power to send the king towards Swarga. And Sage Vashishta, he used his power to stop the king. And the king started descending, started falling. So Vishwamitra, again, he used his power to stop the king from falling. And he became suspended in midair. And then that is where Vishwamitra, he created a new swarga for this king, Trishanku. So, there's so many things, and over the course of our uncountable lifetimes, that is what we have done. It's just, we have just been slaving away. That is all we have done. Yes. There are, this universe has no limit. There are three billion suns in the Milky Way galaxy. And each of those are thousands of times bigger than our sun. And there are uncountable galaxies. No scientist has ever known the extent of them, and nor will they ever know the extent. No. And there are uncountable infinite planetary systems, Brahmans, created by God. How much are we going to see? So Veda Vyasji tells us, Girir Mahan, Girir Abdhir Mahan, Abdhir Nabho Mahat, Nabasopi Param Brahma Tatopyasha Duratyaya. This disease, this sickness of desires is never ending. So Veda Vyasji, through this Veda Mantra from the Chandogya Upanishad, tells us that Mountain is big, yes, bigger than the mountain is the ocean, even bigger than the ocean is the sky, and the biggest is God, the greatest is God. Yasmat param na paramasti kinchit, God is the greatest, and yet Veda Vyasji through this Veda Mantra tells us, that there is something even greater than God, our desires. Our desires are even greater because once we experience fulfillment, then what happens? We immediately form a new desire because we're not fully satisfied as such. And so we form another desire. Yes. And if we... If the desire is not fulfilled, non-fulfillment of the desire, what do we experience? Unhappiness and disappointment. 
So the moment we have or form a desire in our consciousness, we are bound to suffer. It's guaranteed and there's no escape. No matter how great of an understanding one may have or possess, they are bound to suffer. And if the desire is fulfilled, we experience happiness. And if the non-fulfillment gives rise to unhappiness, this is what happens. This cycle has been going on forever. Further, Vedavyaji tells us, Yat prithivyam vrihiyavam hiranyam pashavahastriyaha that if a person was given all the objects of his desire, he was made the emperor of not only this Brahman, but uncountable Brahmans, even so his desires will keep on multiplying endlessly such a person even after acquiring or being given all the worldly material opulences and riches and wealth will go absolutely insane chakradharopi suratvam sakala the padma puran describes that the monarch of this entire world covets the celestial abodes. When he reaches there, he desires the position of Indra, who rules over the celestial abodes. And even after becoming Indra, it is not enough. He desires the seat of Brahma. So such are... Such is the nature of worldly desires, bhukti. So even in the celestial abodes where the material luxuries are much superior to what we experience on this earth planet, and yet all the mayic defilements even exist over there. There's agitation, restlessness, tension, disappointment, on and on. Even there. And isn't it astonishing that we expect to experience happiness by becoming millionaires and billionaires in this world? There's a very instructive incident involving Alexander the king, the Masu. Macedonian, Macedonian king. Alexander, after conquering many kingdoms, he was returning home on the way he fell ill, and that illness took him to his deathbed. He became very ill, and he ended up in his deathbed. So with death staring him in the face, he realized that all his conquests, his great army, and his sharp sword were of no consequence. He longed to go to return home 
to see his mother's face and bid her his last adieu. But his sinking health did not permit that. And so what happened was he just lay there prostrate, pale, and helplessly waiting to breathe his last. He called his generals and said that I have three wishes that I want you all to carry out without fail. And what are they? The first is that my physicians alone will carry my coffin, number one. Number two, the when my coffin is carried, the path leading to the graveyard be strewn with gold and silver and all the precious stones from my treasury. And number three, my hands should be dangling out of the coffin. So everyone gathered there was wondering about the strange wishes of the, of the king, but no one dare bring the, up a question to him. Anyway, so he was finally asked by one of his favorite generals, and he said that for my first wish, I want my physicians to carry me, my, my coffin, to tell people that physicians or doctors cannot really cure anyone. They are powerless, and they cannot save anyone from the clutches of death. So let people know to not take life for granted. The second, strewing the path with precious stones, gold and silver, to tell people that not a fraction of gold will come with me. Not a fraction. I spend my entire life earning all those riches and nothing. I cannot take anything with me. So it is a sheer waste of time to chase wealth. And third, my hands, I want them to be dangling out of the coffin because to show the world that I came into this world empty-handed and empty-handed, I go from this world. Empty-handed, I go from this world. Yes. So the point here is that if worldly, sensual objects were actually our true or were the source of true happiness, then we would have been satisfied by now. But it is not like that. We would have been satisfied by now, but it is not like that. What could this mean? This means that the finding of our mind is something else, and the urge of our inner conscience is something different. Just like a few days a few months old baby, when he's hungry, he cries. But not knowing the cause of his discomfort, 
He tries to console himself according to his own, his mental decision. He puts a toy in his mouth. For a moment, he thinks he is consoled, and in the next moment, he throws the toy and starts looking for something else. That is exactly our situation. Our mind does not know. Our mind does not know anything about our real inner urge. But due to the constant feeling of dissatisfaction caused by the inner demand, our mind tries to give all of these worldly trinkets to the soul. But because these trinkets are not our true desire, what happens? We can never be satisfied by any standards of material achievements, none whatsoever. We cannot. So, our mind does not recognize, and therefore it is under this illusion that these worldly objects are perhaps the answer. No. Because what the mind perceives and what the, our inner conscience desires are two different realities. They're completely different realities. Yes. So the mind is always under this illusion. To illustrate this point, there was once a man who went to visit India, and everything he saw there, he found it very fascinating. For someone who was born and brought up in India, for this man, everything was rather unique. So he saw a situation he had never seen before. How people of the villagers, they purchase their vegetables. So as we know, <clears throat> in India, they typically they just spread a piece of cloth on the side of the road and then they pile different kinds of vegetables. So this visitor to India, he sat down and started watching the comings and the goings of people. And he saw how each person that came to the vendor, how they checked each vegetable and how they bargained with him. And he saw that everyone that came to the vendor, even though they bought according to their tastes, they bought from a different pile, but they also bought from this one pile. And he thought that whatever it is, everyone's buying it, must be fabulous. I'm here to experience everything about India, so I must experience that vegetable known as mirchi in Hindi, a hot chili pepper. So then he went to the vendor and he said, give me a lot of this. So he took it, sat it in his lap, and with great expectation, he took one out and he chewed it and swallowed it. You can imagine the sensation. It's like way hotter, the Indian chili is way hotter than the jalapeno here. <laughs> so his face was beet red, his mouth was on fire, his ears were smoking, water, his eyes were tearing, but that didn't stop him. He reached in the bag for a second one. And a third one. And the vendor was watching, and he said to him, finally, what are you doing? 
I can see how much these chilies are causing you pain. Yes. So the innocent man said, well, I'm looking for a sweet one. He said, I'm looking for a sweet one. We are that innocent man in the story. Because every day, day after day, week after week, year after year, that is exactly what we are expecting is perfect experience of happiness from a world that, that doesn't offer it. But we keep looking with full hope and expectation that it does exist. It does exist. We keep looking. But it doesn't matter what we do, how hard we try, and how much we struggle. If it doesn't exist, we're not going to get it. It's really that simple. We're not going to get it. So it doesn't matter how many classes we take to perfect our relationships. It doesn't matter how many prosperity courses we take. It does not matter. It doesn't matter how much wealth we accumulate, how much bhukti we earn for ourselves. We cannot expect those desires to be satiated. No, not at all. It is not possible. There is once a man who remained unmarried for his entire life. So when he was dying at age 90, at age 90, he was asked, so you remained unmarried your entire life. Why? What is the reason? You never told what the reason is. Maybe it is a secret that you didn't want to reveal, but since you are dying, you may as well quench our thirst and curiosity because you are dying anyway, so it's not going to hurt you. So the man said that, yes, there is a secret. It's not that I'm against marriage. I actually searched and searched for a perfect woman my whole life, and my life just slipped by. So the person that asked him, like this whole earth inhabited with like millions of people, half of them are women, <laughs> there had got to be one woman. And he said, yes, I did find a perfect woman. So what happened? Why did you not get married? So the man said, with tears in his eyes, she was looking for a perfect man. She was looking for a perfect man. The point here is, perfection is a virtue and attribute of the divine realm. It is only our ignorance that we expect that perfection by means of running after bhukti, the sensual pleasures of this world. No, it doesn't exist. So we cannot expect to get it. In any case, this line of the prayer says that, Oh, Sri Krishna, 
I have been blessed with the supreme knowledge by my guru, by my divine guru, Jagat Guru Sri Kripaluji Maharaj, my beloved Sri Maharaji, and I have accepted, embraced, and I know that knowledge now, and I don't want bhukti. And I also don't want to entertain mukti. It's even more scary. Mukti? What is mukti? It is a state of nothingness. That's what mukti is. It's called sayujya mukti, ekatva mukti, kaivalya mukti, liberation. So it's a state of nothingness. That's what it is. Let us suppose a person meets an accident, suffers several complex fractures, is taken to the hospital, goes under anesthesia, and what happens? He is liberated from that state of pain and anguish for a while. So he doesn't experience happiness. He doesn't experience unhappiness. So in the spiritual sense, Liberation is a state of nothingness where nothing is perceived and nothing is experienced. So there's no question of happiness or unhappiness. So in other words, one forever and for all eternity is liberated from worldly sufferings and not only that, deprived of divine bliss, of the personified form of God forever because the self merges with the absolute truth and our physical senses, mind, intellect, body, they cease forever. That is what mukti is. So I don't desire mukti either. This line says, I don't desire mukti either. Sri Maharaji explains it by or compares mukti or liberation with the joy a mother who is expecting experiences. So the mother feels that her, her child is in her womb. And every day, every month, she experiences more and more joy in anticipation of giving birth to her child. But even though she hasn't actually seen her child or the virtues or it doesn't, hasn't even given a name or the actions or the anything about the child, she hasn't actually physically perceived and yet she experiences that joy. And so Sri Maharaji says that liberation is that experience. And so just to help us understand, he gives us this example of a, of a mother, a pregnant mother who has a child in her womb. So that is what liberation is all about. And of course, there are four other kinds of liberations that are desired by devotees. Sashti, Samipya, Sarupya, Salokya. These are four desired by devotees. But Sri Maharaji warns us that we should not aspire for any of these. 
So this devotee says, I do not want mukti either. Bhukti and mukti. I do not desire. So, what do I desire? Oh, Shri Krishna, I desire your selfless divine love is what I desire. Selfless. Selfless meaning loving Sri Radha Krishna without expecting anything in return. Loving them unconditionally without imposing any kind of demand on them while at the same time retaining the understanding that our bhakti or anything we do is or should be for their pleasure, for their happiness. Whatever makes them happy, that is, that should be our goal. That is the essence of nishkam bhakti. Ikavara mangu toso govindaradhe Tava sukha sukhi rahu Aisi bana de We learn from the life of Bhakti Shiromani Prahlad when Lord, when God appeared as Narsingh Bhagawan to protect Prahlad against his father's wrath, killed Hiranyakashipu, and thereafter the Lord invited Prahlad to ask for a boon. Prahlad Bhadra Bhadram te Prito Hamte Surottamaha Varam Vrini Shwabhimatam Kamapuro Smayaham Ninam. Prahlad asked me for a boon. So Prahlad said to the Lord, if I may have your permission, I'd like to say something because I'm only a small child. I don't want to offend you. So if I may have your permission, God said, of course, go ahead. And he said, Vimunchati yadaka manavo manasisthitan that, my Lord, I do not want anything from you. Because if a person can get rid of all desires, then they will become like you, God. They will become like God. So the Lord said, no, no, you should ask because you're just a child, so you don't know. Whenever I manifest myself, I always ask. So you ask. So Prahlad asked for a boon. So he asked for a boon. And he said that if you insist on giving me, if you insist rather that I should ask you for a boon, then the boon that I desire from you is that I want you to make me desire less. That is the boon I desire from you, oh my Lord. So desirelessness 
is the adornment of the heart of a nishkam, a selfless devotee, only thinking and only desiring and only aspiring for the happiness of Sri Radha Krishna. So love is given from our side. It is given from our side. And however much we love, then, ye yathamam prapadyante tans bhajam yaham. Then, the Lord will reciprocate our love in exactly the same way, with the same sentiments, to whatever degree that we love and we surrender, that is exactly He will they will reciprocate our love. It is their promise. So we, our goal should be to focus only on loving them. That's it. Ram Krishna Paramhans, he had developed cancer of the throat. So everyone around knew that the saint's death was imminent, but he had received, earned great renown as a saint in Calcutta and in Bengal, as a saint who had transformed many lives. So people went to him and said, you have attained perfection. You have attained perfection to get rid of cancer as a child's play for you. So just go to the Divine Mother and ask her to treat you, and your cancer will be gone. She'll cure you. What is something so trivial as cancer for someone like yourself who is capable of removing maya from the heart of souls? So to this, Ram Krishna Paramhans, he sternly replied, and he said, should I divert my mind? Should I divert my mind from thinking about and remembering and loving my divine mother for the sake of this wretched body? I have loved her with a desire to serve her. I'm not going to engage in such pettiness and expect her to serve me or take care of me, my body, no. And even if I'm cured, of course my body is going to perish one day, whatever the time is that's destined, it will happen. So, nishkamta, that's why Sri Maharaji advocates, tells us that that is and should be our goal, our sadhana. This goal of our sadhana should be that. Because that is the highest sadhana. To desire the happiness of Hari and Guru is the highest kind of seva that one can expect and offer to Hari and Guru. Without expecting, we should never ever ask for anything and only desire because 
this path of bhakti and nishkam bhakti is such that by not asking for anything, we receive everything. That is the beauty. Once this satsangi in Rindavan, I was there, and so she was telling Badi Didi, Oh, Didi, you know, today I went to uh, Rindavan to the market, and this cow, this gaya, made a pass anilagi. You know, this cow just started coming toward me because there's a lot of stray cows, as we know, in, in Vrindavan, you know, especially when you go into the market. And so, and, and so she was telling Badi Didi this in front of everybody. And then so she said, Oh, Badi Didi, fir kaha ki, oh, Maharaji, Maharaji, Maharaji. So she was telling Didi that I started to, you know, call Maharaji to, because I was so scared that this cow was like coming toward me. And Bari Didi said, you troubled Maharaji for such a petty thing? You bothered him and you troubled him for such a petty situation like that? What happened to your knowledge? What happened? Tumara Siddhant kaha gaya tha? Itni choti si baat ke liye Maharaji ko parishan kiya. So, we should never ask. Because Maharaji is already protecting us. He's already taking care of us to the extent fighting with our sanskars and battling with our sanskars and putting us constantly on the right path. We become astray and Maharaji inspires our intellect to the degree of our own surrender and keeps helping us and inspiring us to keep propelling us. He's already doing it. But we, from our side, should never demand or ask or expect anything. just want to share my experience. I was, um, a, f- a few years ago here, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was the, I think probably the summer intensive And um, there was an epidemic. A lot of us actually got sick. So after the intensive was over, I was traveling, and I had a lecture at the L.A. Center. And so when I sat down to, of course, give my program, my, my throat was extremely, I had almost lost my voice. And, um, but I was determined to give my lecture. I knew that, I, I mean, I was already sitting there and so ready to give my lecture. And I was wondering, how am I going to do it? And this thought came to my mind that I know I cannot ask Sri Maharaji, but I still want to give my lecture and do my program. And literally, literally, within seconds, my voice completely cleared up. It cleared up for two hours of that program. And I was able to chant, I was able to deliver my talk, and lead the entire satsang. The point is, we should not demand, ask, but only desire 
one thing, and that is seva. And the highest kind of seva is to make sure, to strive for, to see them smile always. And by heeding Sri Maharaj's divine teachings, by embracing and sincerely practicing Sri Maharaj's divine teachings. So, na bhukti nahi mukti mangu mein nitya seva mangu. So, in this way, by practicing this sadhana, and by offering everything we have at the lotus feet of our guru, we will earn the highest goal of our devotion, sadhana. Srimat Sadguru Sarkariki Srimat Yugal Sarkariki Jai Jai Shri Radhe Jai Jai Shri Radhe Jai Jai Shri Radhe